washed in the blood. Look at me in Revelation 1 verse 5. The Bible says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Do you know what it means to be washed by the blood? Let me tell you a good idea of what it means to be washed by Jesus' blood. You might be sitting there today saying, I have a lifestyle, a path that I'm not proud of. God reminds you, so did those Corinthians. Remember what Paul said? But you were like that. He says, and such were some of you. But your life has been changed. You've been washed. And I love how he starts out with wash first. How many of you know that that's the number one part of it? You can't go out of order. You can't be sanctified. You can't be justified until you've been washed. A lot of times we think we get sanctified first. No, you've got to get washed. And we'll talk about sanctification here in just a second. Sometimes we think we can be justified without being washed or sanctified. Wrong. You've got to be washed and you've got to be sanctified. The Apostle Paul puts it in order for us. First thing you need is to be washed. And what does it mean to be washed in the blood? That means to be born again. That means to accept that there was someone who paid a price for you. Somebody's blood who comes into your heart, comes into your life, comes into you as a believer and makes you brand new. First Peter 1, verses 18 and 19 tells us, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. It was precious blood you were redeemed by, and it's precious blood that washes you. Now, let me stop for just a second. Let's talk about being washed in the blood. I am a father of four, as you know. And as my boys grow older and move out, some people will say you'd be rejoicing, but I want you to know my heart breaks for every one of those children leaving. I want you to know that I can't stop thinking about them, that I can't stop praying for them, that I can't stop worrying about them, even though I've given them to God, even though I know Father God is with them, and He will never leave them nor forsake them. Every time they leave, my heart goes with them. But, but, what I've learned as being a father is that there's no shame goes through blood. I remember they were young, and they would cut themselves, which sometimes was just a scratch, and they would come in crying over spilled milk, literally. Oh, Daddy, I'm dying. Call 911. And out would come my wallet where I keep Band-Aids in. I would put that magical Band-Aid on it. little kiss on it and go. Of course, when they, when they turn their back, I'll wipe my lips off. <laughs> It stains. It stains and it ruins so many things. I can't tell you how many pairs of socks got ruined by an ankle scratch. How many t-shirts got ruined by cuts on the elbows, cuts on the neck, cuts on your chest, or whatever it may be, as they climbed over fences or as they ran through the bushes and the briars and the trees. And they leave spots all over their shirts. 
a pastor, sometimes the older I get, the more easier this is to do. I shave and my face tends to get cut a little more often than I used to. I can't tell you how many shirts I don't wear with a tie anymore because there's a spot on the collar from the spud that comes out. I said, well, I know how to get it out. Well, I don't. Amen? Here's the deal, though. Blood usually is clean, but it's not usually thought of with us as a cleansing agent. That's because we're not searching the sin. Thank God for that. So God looks at the blood of His Son as the ability to wash away all the filthiness out of you. God takes that blood and He washes away all that past that you're ashamed of. God takes that blood and He washes away the sin and the guilt and the shame and He washes it away and He says, you can be brand new. You can be born again. You can have no shame. You can have no worries from your past. You can be brand new, washed in the blood of the Lamb, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Not with gold, not with silver, not by calling up the police department and getting your record expunged. No, you can be made brand new by being washed in the blood of the Lamb. Washed. And you might need to be washed this morning. Say, what's that got to do with the Alpha? You will lose focus of who the Alpha is if you lose focus of how precious that blood is. If you can trample on the foot of His blood, if you can step on it with your feet, if you can treat it like it's unholy, you've lost focus of who the Alpha is in your life. Apostle Peter, who knew better than anybody what it was like to know Jesus and to deny Him, writes this verse in 1 Peter chapter 1. You're not redeemed with corruptible things like money. You're not redeemed with corruptible things like fame and fortune. You're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. I want you to go with me in your mind's eye. Those three and a half years those disciples walked with Jesus. Of which often we portray Peter as kind of being the leader. And I think that's correct. I wonder how many times they walked through the hills, how many times they walked through the woodland or through the plains and they stumbled and fell. I wonder how many times even Jesus would have kept them standing. He would have been the perfect job to never fall. It's not like that. He's just as human as we were. He's 100% human and he's 100% God. And church, what would happen if he tripped and he fell? Through the church of Corinth, he 
as you were washed, so you were sanctified. What do you mean sanctified? It's the word sanctified. It's sanctified. Hebrews 10 verse 14 tells us, For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What is sanctified? What does it mean to be sanctified? Sanctified is not just clean, y'all. That's what the, the, the blood does. Sanctified is something else. Sanctified is to be made holy. It's to be made holy. How do you make something holy? Can I be honest with you? <laughs> you can take your dog's blanket, wash it, and say, can I make this holy? And you know what? Your dog says, no. No matter how much you clean, no matter how much you wash it, I know where it came from, what it's been, what it did. resulting in a changed lifestyle for the believer. The English word sanctification comes from the Latin sanctificatio, meaning the act or the process of making holy, consecrated. In the Greek New Testament, the root, and I'm going to use uh, an easy pronunciation here, has. Now, we wouldn't say that in modern day Greek. It would be ayos, or ayos, right? The basis of ayosmos, or hagiposmos, meaning holiness, consecration, sanctification, holy. Sanctify, consecrate, to treat as holy, to purify. Of course, we get our word saint from it. The root idea of the Greek stem is to stand in awe of something or someone. And so you get washed in the blood, and not only get washed in the blood, you get sanctified. What does that mean? Sanctified, to be made holy. To be made holy be able to be used in God's worship service. Are you understanding what he's saying here? And if you lose focus of that, then you've lost focus of the Alpha in your life. To be made holy, to be able to be used no matter what past you came from, no matter how bad it was, to be washed, to be cleansed, to be born again, to be born again, to be redeemed, and now to be sanctified, to be made holy. As we look into our Bibles, we were reminded of the first church in Revelation. It says, don't lose your first love. And sometimes we forget about the sanctification that He's given us when we turn to things that are unholy. And we lose that first love. Don't forget, church, that He is our Alpha. And He has sanctified us for His use. Not just sanctified, not just washed, but He's also the Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that word, justified. What does justified mean? Well, it's the divine forensic act of God based on the work of Christ upon the cross, whereby a sinner is pronounced righteous by the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. The doctrine of justification is developed most fully by the Apostle Paul as the central truth explaining how both Jews and Gentiles can be made right before God on the exact same basis as being faith in Jesus Christ. Justified. Short term, easy to understand English is by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. What is justified? 
by accepting, by believing, by receiving what Jesus did on the cross, we are justified. He's our Alpha. The Apostle Paul reminds the church at Corinth, he needs to stay the Alpha. He needs to be the first thing in your life. And if you lose focus of being washed, focus of being sanctified, focus of being justified, you're quickly apt to take it from Alpha to something else. He's our Alpha, and He should be the first in our thoughts. He should be our greatest need. Look with me in Revelation 1, verse 8 again. The Bible says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, let's move from Alpha to Omega, and we're going to go through this quickly now. The Omega. God has to be the end all and fully all. That's how I view the Omega. Not just the beginning of a Christian's life, but He needs to be the end of a Christian's life. He needs to be the end of it all. He has to be the last, the end, where you put your hope. Nowhere else it ends with God. In other words, the Alpha and the Omega, and the Omega is ending. If you were to put the Greek alphabet up, the Omega is the last letter. It's the ending of it. Jesus says that I'm the first and I am the last. Look with me in Revelation 3, verse 15 and 16, as we look at our last church here. I know your works, he says. This is the last one on our list of seven. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time this morning on what it means to spew that out of mouth, but let's take a look at the Omega. And I have a picture of it right there for you. It doesn't look a lot like a horseshoe. This one looks more like a keyhole, though, doesn't it? You say, where did that one come from? I didn't make that one. That one was easy to find online. So that one came from Dreamtime, actually. And they wrote an Omega for me, and it was easy to capture and put it down there, and it's a good picture of it. So what does it mean, then, to have Christ as our Omega? We took a look at Him as our Alpha, as our number one in our life, and our number one part in life. Let's take a look to have Him as our last thing in life as well, too. Uh, as Jesus responds to that seventh church, He says, I wish... You were hot or cold, but since you're not, I'm going to spew you out. And so I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you hot or cold in your Christianity? Or are you lukewarm? If you were to put your Christianity on the scale of 1 to 10, where would it be right now? 1 being cold, 10 being hot. Would you be able to say, Pastor, I'm a 5? You know what that is? That's lukewarm. What would happen then? Some things we need to remember, though. Are you ready for this? Let's go ahead and finish up here quickly now. The omega is the last letter in the alphabet, of course. It's the last letter. Oftentimes, we refer to Christ as our anchor. A lot of times, we refer to Him as that which holds behind the veil. Sometimes, we call Him our rock. Look with me in Hebrews 6, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Anchor. Anchor. When I was growing up Christian life, that was often brought out to me as a ship anchor. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but that's how we viewed it, as a ship anchor. In fact, you can oftentimes see uh, as they make those little wood cuttings by those ministries that need funding and things like that, and they sell a wood cutting of an anchor, and they put Hebrews 6 on there, don't they, about, he's our anchor. And we often talk about him as a ship anchor. Many of those in the Navy or the Marine Corps oftentimes will hold on to that thought. Jesus is our anchor. And there are 
have some powerful pictures of big boats being held by little bitty anchors. Stuck down at the bottom. And oh, how the sea pushes. And oh, how the waves roar. And that boat goes nowhere. I think that's a powerful, powerful, powerful picture. But I don't think that was the picture the author of Hebrews wanted to use. How about this? Right? That's a fifth grade tug of war match. You ever get to play the anchor there? You ever get to play the anchor there? You say, well, how important is anchor? Extremely important. You ever put together one of those dresses you got from Ikea? Some of you are saying, I'm trying to forget that. Because they come with these anchor bolts and straps sometimes and goes into the wall, hooks to the dresser or caster or whatever you bought from
Some of you may not agree, and that's okay. But we do have times up here. I believe we've been living in the end times, and I believe that we're going to see some things prophetically. Do I know what those are? Nope. But I do believe we're going to see those things. How do I know? I'm tell you what. My Bible tells me a lot of things. I'm going to show you a picture of the modern day Garden of Gethsemane. Up there, isn't that beautiful? That is a gorgeous picture. Of course, they have you know groundskeepers and gardeners that help raise those beautiful flowers and plants and trees inside. Most of the trees inside of there are olive trees. That's what Gethsemane was for, was known for, was this olive tree. And Gethsemane actually means the place of crushing. They would crush the olives to get the oil. And now you need to understand the picture about Jesus praying in the Gospel of Luke. The gray drops of sweat were coming out as though they were blood and pressure. Pressure and crushing, if you will. Please understand the Apostle Paul's picture for the church. The church triumphant were pressed, but not ruined, were not wrinkled, were crushed, but not defeated, etc., etc. The picture is Gethsemane. Now, what's, what's the thing that's happened in Gethsemane? Matthew 26, we'll read a couple of verses here. Jesus has something new for us in there. Before I go any further, I just want to throw out there that I believe that prophecy comes in some different stages. Sometimes, if you'll look at Israel, then you'll realize that what's happened with Israel happened to Jesus. And what's happened to Jesus has happened in modern-day Israel. Sometimes, what happened to Jesus will happen to the church. Absolutely. Say, give me a, give me a biblical picture of that. All right, I'll give you one. How many of you remember old Israel? Old Jacob, as he just wrestled with the angel, and he just got his name changed to Israel, and he's on his way back, and he runs into his brother Esau. And the Bible says Esau greets him with a kiss. In the Hebrew language, it's a dot above that kiss, meaning it's a negative. He doesn't want to kiss him. He wants to fight him. And Jacob knows that, and he says, I ain't going anywhere with you. We also know from reading our prophecies that Israel will have a betrayal as well. Will it be the descendants? Probably. We know that they'll be betrayed in their peace treaty by the Antichrist, who will kiss up to them. Uh, let me take a look then at what we can learn from the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at me in chapter 26, verse 32. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, do not watch with me one hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Look at me in verse 32. Again, the second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands. 
Christ, let us be gone to seek our betrayers I just want to rest. I just need a moment. I feel the spiritual weight. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I want you to hear the words of Jesus.
down to you this morning. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And I just pray you take charge even now that there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. There are anyone, Father, that get their heart right with you. Would you let today be that day as we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. As we come as we sing, Living for Jesus. We make them your Alpha and Omega this morning. Would you come? channel worship here with us at Rock Stanley Baptist Church. Don't forget that today at 2.30 we'll be having our active city response and in the fellowship hall. Don't forget worship service tonight at 6 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. Come and be a part of that. Don't forget Wednesday night at 6.30. Don't forget um, is it this week that the latest Bible study starts up? 
next week, okay? But men's Bible study at 6.30. And don't forget, next week is ready for the men's conference. Come and conference to us. There's lots of things happening. Can we be a prayer about that? Yes, ma'am, Sister Ruth. couldn't see you through the people, but it's Sister Brenda that was talking next. <laughs> well, it was Katie's pigtail was sticking in the way. And then I heard your voice. Don't be sorry. Pastor can't see very well if you haven't noticed. So, thank God for some things I can't see. Amen? Pastor, you have something else? That's right. Don't forget to sign up. Come and help out with that potluck. We're going to be needing some help with that. And as it, ladies, if you would come forward and let Sister Brenda take your picture, sure would appreciate that. Is there anything else I may have forgotten? Yes, sir, Brother Woody. Yes, sir, Brother Woody needs some help unloading the AC unit uh, into the shed. If you can help with that, we would surely appreciate that. Uh, let's close in that word of prayer. I want to remind you about that active shooter response. I want to remind you about site services. That Wednesday night about men's Bible study and everything else that's coming up, y'all want to be a part of that. I'm going to ask Brother Tad Labor, would you close us in prayer today, sir?